following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Father, we are so grateful uh, to be here this morning as your family. Lord, we do miss those that are not with us because of illness or other circumstances, Lord, but I pray that you administer to them. Um, where they are right now. Uh, Father, uh, we long to hear from you this morning through your word. pray that your spirit will speak um, in spite of my effort. Uh, we long to hear from you. Nobody needs to hear from me. We want to hear from you. Father, we thank you for this time and pray that you'd use it for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we have already uh, heard and seen, uh, on the third Sunday in Advent, we light the joy candle. This, uh, um, this is a reminder of the good news of great joy that the angels proclaim to the shepherds and to all the earth when Messiah Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This morning, we are going to continue on that theme as we consider another hymn by Charles Wesley that we've sung uh, this morning, Hard the Herald Angels Sing. We spent the last two weeks talking about uh, Come thou long expected Jesus. Uh, Maybe should have started with Hark the Herald Angels Sing because there's four verses and four Sundays in Advent, but not good at math anymore. Uh, Well, anyway, this this hymn was written by Charles Wesley, 1739. Uh, So it's been around for a while. Charles and his brother John Wesley were instrumental in a great revival in England that spread to America that's known as the Great Awakening. You ever heard of that before? Um, It's a wonderful thing. And one of the ways that the thousands of new converts were taught the theology behind their new faith was through the many songs that were being written. Charles Wesley wrote over 6,500 hymns. He's a busy man. Uh, And also preaching on top of that. And he wrote these songs not just because he wanted to sell albums. CDs or downloads or iTunes or whatever. He wrote these to instruct new believers in faith. And it's uh, been around a church long enough to be part of what is called a worship wars. We only sing hymns here. No, we only sing choruses here, or we only use a hymn book, or we only use transparencies projected on a screen and all that nonsense. Um, praise the Lord, we're kind of spared from that to appreciate music doesn't matter if it was written 1739, 1939, 2039, doesn't matter. 
the point that Wesley was trying to get across was to instruct believers in theology and music was an easy vehicle for that because you get a tune stuck in your head, right? Um, and um, this is a wonderful tool uh, would that we would continue to use that to instruct, not just to stir up our emotions, but to instruct believers in the faith. And Hark the Herald Angels Sing is usually one of the first uh, Christmas carols we sing around here. So I thought it would take some time to, uh, to slow it down and uh, take a look at some of the rich theology in biblical themes here in this wonderful old song but it's four verses and there's a lot of theology so we'll look at verse one and um, uh, we'll go from there hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king peace on earth and mercy mild good and sinners reconcile joyful all ye nations rise join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Now there's been some debate as to whether or not the angels actually sang uh, based on the original language. Um, but one of the things that I've learned in my study is when you look at uh, the scripture and it's in a regular paragraph format. It's words that are stated. But then there's poetry. And it's formatted a little different. Uh, and we'll show you when we look at Luke chapter 2. Um, that's a clue to be a hymn fragment of the early church. The early church sang those things. Um, so, anyway... Um, so there may be some debate about whether or not they sang, but one debate that has been put to rest is that the angel who proclaimed this good news, his name was not Harold. Uh, so that was, um, yeah, well, praise the Lord for his grace. Amen. Uh, so let's look at Luke chapter 2, and we start at verse 8. Luke 2 verse 8 and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear and the angel said to them Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now you see what I mean about the format of that time. Glory to God in the highest is different. You see that? There's a 
clue is a hymn fragment. Okay? You'll see that throughout the New Testament as you study. This is the angel's proclamation. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to the newborn Savior, King, Christ, the Lord. And peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Um, I find it interesting um, that the angel appeared to shepherds. And not to make a big deal about this, that the shepherds were the lowest of the low, the lowest class. I don't think that's that important. What is important is shepherds were not kings. Shepherds were not religious leaders. Shepherds were were not um, leaders of the community. They're just normal people. Normal guys work a job, and the Lord appeared, uh, spoke to them through the angel. Uh, I think that's significant, simply because the Lord uh, speaks to every man, to normal people, regular people. There's no uh, caste system with our Father. And I praise the Lord for that. Um, I don't know that there's any particular significance other than God's just trying to imagine new sermons to talk about what the shepherds did for a job and why they're out, out at night and blah, blah, blah. I think it's just regular people and that's the point. I think the message of the angel seems pretty straightforward until you get to the much more specific peace on earth part. Now, you remember the peanuts, Charlie Brown? And uh, li- but Charlie says, uh, Charlie Brown says, anybody really know what Christmas is all about? Because he's talking about commercialism and decorating your doghouse for Christmas and win prizes and stuff. And Linus comes out and he quotes this verse from the old King James. And he says, he wraps his uh, little part up with saying, and uh, Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, that's very general, but that's not what the Bible actually says. Peace, uh, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's a little more specific. I don't know if you notice. It's not... Um, the angels they did not proclaim peace for the whole earth peace for mankind he said for a specific group of people on earth those with whom he is pleased well who is that it's a good question I'm glad you asked Kenny thinks it's him well maybe right Galatians 5.22 lists peace as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you can't experience any of the fruits of the Spirit unless the Spirit dwells within you. And the Spirit cannot live within you unless you have faith in Jesus Christ. So this peace is not, this peace that the angels spoke about, is not 
necessarily peace between people, peace between nations, peace between factions. That's what we would like, but that's not what the angel proclaimed. It is most definitely peace between God and man. A much greater peace and a much more important peace than peace between nations. Peace between God and man. And the only way to experience that peace is through faith in Jesus Christ. Because it is our sin that creates the conflict between God and man. And it's Christ's sacrifice on the cross that resolved the conflict. So all that to say, the specific group of people on earth, those with whom he is pleased, that would receive that peace with God, are those who had, would have faith in Jesus Christ. This is not because we deserved it or because... There's something that God liked about us more than the next person. Um, it's simply because of his grace. And I want to be clear about this. It's not fair. It's not fair. Why would God choose to save you or allow you to have faith in him and not the next person? That's not fair. Why is that fair? Is that fair? It's not. Grace isn't fair. The biggest problem with that is that we think we deserve good things. But we don't. If life were fair, we would all be dead. You want fair? Okay. Romans chapter 3, start of verse 22. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. If Dave were here, he would say God uses the word all because he means all. So, life is fair. What happens? We're all dead. Because the wages of sin is death. What we earn is death. What we deserve is death. Okay? So let's get that straight. Uh, and then we understand grace a little bit better. For there's no distinction. That's, he's speaking specifically between Jews and Gentiles. God's chosen people and everybody else. He says, there is no distinction. For all have sinned. Jews and Gentiles alike. God's chosen people and all the rest of you jerks. There is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What then becomes of boasting? It's excluded. We have no grounds to say, God, why did you do this to me? (laughs) 
it's really the reality is, God, why are you allowing me to continue to exist? I deserve death, deserve destruction. God's divine forbearance pass over former sins. Forbearance, that's not fair. Right? Fairness is we get what we deserve. God wouldn't need forbearance if this was all about fairness because we'd be destroyed. We have nothing to boast about. We don't deserve good things. Now, aren't you glad you came this morning? This is pretty bad news. Merry Christmas, everybody. We all deserve death. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> hmm. But because of God's grace, we are justified as a gift. See, grace is one side of a coin. And the other side of the coin is mercy. They're not the same thing. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. All right? Not fair. Getting what we don't deserve, a gift. And that's peace with God through faith in Jesus. That's a gift. We don't deserve that. Mercy, the other side of the coin, is not getting what we do deserve. And what do we deserve? Death. I'm More Christmas presents is what we deserve. We deserve our Christmas list to be check, 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 and get all that stuff, right? We deserve peace on earth, goodwill towards men. That's what we deserve. And a raise to go with it. What we do deserve is death. And it's God's mercy that we don't get what we do deserve. As it said there in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. I said before, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As grace and mercy at work, that's a peace on earth and mercy mild, tender mercy. Wesley borrowed that phrase, mercy mild, from Zechariah's prophecy regarding his son John the Baptist um, and his message about the Messiah in Luke 1, 78 and 79. I'll read that for you. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the mild mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. What a wonderful message that is, I think. Peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Do you know what it is to be reconciled? Reconciled. You know what I'm saying? Second Corinthians five seventeen says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, mercy, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There in those first four lines of this wonderful old song is the good news. God came to us to make peace with him through faith, to forgive our sins because of his tender mercy, to reconcile us to himself by taking our sins upon himself on the cross. I think that's wonderful. The rest of the first verse is our call to response. How do we respond to God's grace, to this wonderful gift, of the grace and mercy of God? Joyful, all you nations, rise and join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Our response to the good news should be joy. Joy is not uh, happiness. Joy is not always uh, bubbly and giddy and giggly. Happiness is based on circumstances. Right? Things are going good, you're happy. Things are going bad, not so happy. That's not what joy is. Joy is a it's a whole different animal because it's based on God and His faithfulness which doesn't change and it's our satisfaction in Him knowing knowing that everything is taken care of that God has it under control we can have joy in that God did the impossible and He did it for us And though the plan was set in place long before time began, long before sin entered the world, the instrument our reconciliation was and always will be, the one who is born in Bethlehem, Christ the Lord. I've often thought about... uh, uh, Happy birthday to Jesus, which is cute for kids to do, but it's not, uh, there's more than just a birthday. It's Incarnation Day, uh, and that's different than our birthdays. Uh, we are not, we were not eternally existent, <laughs> we were created. There was a time when we weren't. Remember that time? It was great, or quieter. Anyway, but then there was a time where we began. We were created by God. But that's not the same with Jesus. He is the eternally existent Son. You can see Him at work in a Genesis 1. You can see Him at work all through the Old Testament. When Jesus came as a baby, He was incarnated. He became flesh. 
right? Not just he wasn't before that day and now he is. Okay? I just want to be clear about that. It's important uh, theology. God in Christ is eternally existent. And that day in Bethlehem or night or whatever is a touch point where God has stepped in. The time was right for him to intervene. And our joyful response as ambassadors for Christ, imploring people to be reconciled to God, should be to join with the angelic host and proclaim, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's our response. Christmas is a hard season. Advent a hard season. Because it's so much distracting. Uh, and so many things to wade through. Gifts to buy, and trees to decorate, and songs to sing, and, and plays at school, and, and uh, choir concerts, and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. And it's so easy to lose sight of the truth of what we are truly acknowledging here. The incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. I pray that our focus would sharpen and not get blurred. We've got a week left, right? Next weekend, all this nonsense is over. <laughs> we get back to life as normal, right? Let's not waste the time that we have and use these days to continue to proclaim that Christ was born in Bethlehem, that God intervened because he didn't want us to be separated from him anymore. Harm, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn yet eternally existent king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners, you and me, reconciled. And so, joyful, we nations rise and join the triumph, the triumphal singing of the skies. And with the angelic host, we will proclaim that it's Christ who is born in Bethlehem. Heart, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I really had intended to get through two verses of that song this morning, but I think I'm going to leave it at that. And we'll get three verses in next week. Right. <laughs> Amen. But for now, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of songs, these old songs that ring with such deep truth. I pray, Father, that this season our focus would be sharpened and we would embrace our roles as ambassadors for Christ, imploring people to be reconciled to God not ignoring people and letting them just go their own way to their own destruction. Lord, help us to love like you loved us. Love others enough to tell them that this Christmas deal is not just about trees and Santa and gifts under the tree and all that stuff. 
not just about babies and shepherds and wise men and, and all that. It's about the incarnation of the Lord who did the impossible that we might be reconciled to God. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for entrusting us the message of salvation. May we not neglect our duty to share the love of Christ and point our friends and neighbors to him in this season. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.